Welcome to Life-Giving Water Messages, where I expound upon the Word of God and, through the internet, deliver it to you. My name is Rev. Todd Laddick, and today I'm bringing you part three of a four-part series entitled All In, with today's message specifically entitled, No Strings Attached, based off of Acts chapter 2, verses 43 through 47. So, let us dive into the Word today. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshipped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity all the while praising God and enjoying the good will of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Amen. The gifts given by the Spirit are not to be used only in the local church community, but to bless the wider community. Now, I've been recently reflecting on the impact of my congregation on the wider community. Every pastor, if they're worth their weight in gold, makes such assessments regularly. This week, I was in the office with uh, my office administrator when I asked her the following question. When, in recent years, has our congregation been a blessing to the wider community. And, you know, it's not that we didn't know what we've done, but sometimes when you get caught with that question, you actually have to stop and think. And so we, we looked at each other, and Kathleen, thinking about it for a moment, came up with some really good answers. Uh, we bless the community in small but significant ways. People such as uh, Denny, Alice, Evie, and others who volunteer their time at Manor House, which is a local soup kitchen, and uh, Treasures of Hope. And speaking of Treasures of Hope, we can't forget Linda, or Rhonda, or Bob, or the Eberharts, or the Hearts, or Bill Miller, and, and others who have blessed the wider community through that ministry. And then there's the Unity Choir. And, and actually, before I go to the Unity Choir, I just want to say one thing about Treasures of Hope. While it is a thrift shop, and it does help support the mission and ministry of the church that way, there are also people who come through who can't afford to buy things, and we give them whatever they need when that happens as well. So it's a ministry that gives, uh, and as a ministry that is given to, and it, it's a beautiful ministry. It serves the community. I've received so many comments from so many people about how much they love uh, Treasures of Hope, how much they love the people there, how much they, they love bringing stuff to support the ministry, vol you know, volunteering time. It's just a great ministry. But then there's the Unity Choir. And this not only blesses the people who yearn to worship God through music and come to experience the Unity Choir concerts, this also blesses singers in smaller churches across the region who get to be a part of a larger, more professional choir. I also thought of some ways in which we have blessed the wider community, continually supporting the weekend bag program. Uh, and, and, and let me just explain that program again. That, that started with a freshman girl in high school 
who noticed that her fellow students, some of them, didn't have food, really, to eat during the weekends. And they'd come to school hungry and distracted, and it would, it would hamper their ability to learn and to get a good education. And, and she just thought to herself, this cannot be. And so what did she do? She took it upon herself to start organizing, getting people to volunteer to donate goods and whatnot. And, and she would pack these bags and give them to the school office. And the school would, um, you know, take it and give it to these families anonymously so that they, they still had their dignity intact and uh, nobody need know that they were struggling. And out of that, four years later, as a, f a senior in high school, this had gone from just an idea uh, in a in a 14-year-old's head to a 501c3 nonprofit organization headed by an 18-year-old uh, who was ready to conquer the world for doing good. And now she's in her second year in college and her her sisters and siblings and family members are are, are helping run the day-to-day -day, uh, operations of that organization, and she is still the CEO and uh, running it from, from afar while going to school all the way down in New Orleans. So we're talking about somebody who is, uh, you know, just a, a fantastic young individual who's just going to do wonderful things uh, for the world, and no doubt her whole family is going to. Uh, and we support that program, and we've supported it generously, and we'll continue to. And soon we'll be partnering with Benny's Bodega as well. And we brought uh, educational opportunities uh, by partnering with our local county college and hosting debates and other educational forums uh, so that people in the community could get a sense of education, uh, even if they weren't able to afford one themselves. And... Um, or weren't able to take uh, make a, uh, you know take the opportunity to go, and so we hosted the climate change debate, and several people emailed, called, and wrote to thank us for being told or being bold enough, excuse me, to uh, encourage dialogue on important issues. Oh, and let's not forget the fact that throughout the pandemic, we were making cards and masks, and we donated them to our frontline workers at Newton Medical Center, and we participated in a district-wide car-honking parade at, at uh, our local continuing care retirement community. We all have a sense of what makes a community welcoming. And what a difference a welcoming community can make. Hopefully, as hopefully most of us have experienced this welcome firsthand. Uh, for instance, when people go above and beyond or are genuine, <clears throat> when the generosity of others draws us in and invites us to learn more about Christ and faith, that's how I got back into the church. For example, uh, I was actually sitting out in a, a public space having a conversation with somebody. I someone I didn't really know, and uh, just listening to them tell me what they, they were dealing with, and I just listened. I just listened. No strings attached. Because I, I actually care. When they asked what I did, I shared that I was a pastor. And they suddenly were finding themselves being cared for spiritually without even knowing that's what they needed. And truth be told, 
anytime we listen to people, anytime we actually hear them, empathize with them, we are caring for them spiritually. This person felt welcomed. And though I didn't mention church, I didn't I didn't even explicitly invite him to church, I was just there listening, no strings attached, no agenda. They articulated that they may even show up to my church one day. How awesome would that be? That would be great. Now, if they don't, of course I'd be sad to not see them there. But that's not why I was listening to this person. My call in that moment was just to be an ear and a heart for somebody in need. No strings attached. Sadly, some of us may know what a welcoming community is like because we have experienced its opposite. In today's scripture, we get a picture of the earliest Christian community and the way it blessed the broader community. Now, some of us have become accustomed to thinking of our churches as places we go to get our fill on religion or spirituality or inspiration, similarly to the way we go to the grocery store for food or to the cinema for entertainment. We, we see our involvement and offerings to the church as a way to keep it up and running or, quote, open for business, end quote. And as long as the customers, we call these customers members, but as long as the customers are happy, that is what matters. And <laughs> don't mess with the big donors, right? Give them what they want because we don't want to lose their money. In part, this is a byproduct of the way our society works. We think that the church is somehow on the free market. If that's the way you think of the church, if you think the church is on the free market, I have news for you. To harken back to my rock and roll series based off of songs by Bon Jovi, hopefully you listen to them, if not go back, uh, this house is not for sale, amen? The church is not on the free market. The church is owned by Jesus Christ. This house is not for sale. The picture of the earliest church in Acts is radically different from that. There was no free market church in the early church. The people's faith was not a small part of their lives. They were all in. And this is very clear to the way they devoted themselves to the church community, to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayers in verse 42, by living together and sharing what they had and providing 
for everyone's needs as seen in verse 44 through 45. And you want to talk about the free market church? There is a story in Acts of a couple, uh, blanking on their names, but there's a couple in Acts who who are part of this Christian fellowship, this Christian community, and they're supposed to be giving everything they have so that it's all shared in common, but instead they hoard this and they hoard that to keep it for themselves. And you know what happens? (laughs) God strikes them dead. Dead, like D-E-D, I mean D-E-A-D, dead. Now, I'm not saying that if we're dishonest to God, that God's going to strike us dead in the moment. But what I am saying is, when we cheat, when we don't go all in for God, when we try to keep things for ourselves, but then live under the illusion that we're making God happy, we find ourselves dead. Spiritually speaking, anyway. We find ourselves dead. Now, this doesn't mean, you know, the, the, the fact that the, everybody was sharing everything in common doesn't mean people stopped working or having personal lives. Of course they did. But they were all in for God, which meant God was in everything they did. Verse 46 says they didn't just worship in the temple. No, the people praised God at home and in fellowship through meals shared together. Because of the way the Christians lived their faith, people in the community witnessed the power of the Spirit working through them. They were a blessing to the wider community. The passage says they had the goodwill of all the people. In fact, it's well known that James, half-brother of Jesus, of Nazareth, uh, James, son of Joseph, uh, son, son of Mary, uh, the, he was the, the leader uh, of the Jerusalem church, and, and he became so loved by the Jewish community, even though they didn't agree with his Christian testimony, they loved him and what he and the church were doing so much that they, they ended up calling him James the Just. And when he was martyred, People lamented that. The church was not just tolerated or respected in the community. It was well-liked. To the extent that people were drawn to become part of it. Day by day, the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. This undoubtedly had to do with the way the people of the church used their gifts to help bring others to faith. And we get a picture of a community that finds joy in generosity, as we see in verse 46. And we can see this in Deuteronomy chapter 14, verses 28 through 29 as well. How God's people are called to be present in and to their communities to focus not only on their own sustainability, but on serving others. Now listen, in in this passage, it says, At the end of every third year, bring the entire tithe of that year's harvest and store it in the nearest town. Give it to the Levites, the priests, who will receive no allotment of land among you, as well as to the foreigners living among you, the orphans and the widows in your towns, so that they can eat and be satisfied. Then the Lord your God will bless you in all your work. 
friends. Why do we tithe? Because it supports our own mission. It supports our own body. It supports our own ministry. If we don't give to what God is calling us to do, who will? We're the ones called. Amen? And we're trying to show others they're called too, but we can't do that if we don't go all in with each other and with God. Remember the first sermon, The Risk. We serve a God who went all in, not just for us, but for the whole world. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Friends, God went all in for us. We're called to do the same for God. So what does it mean for your congregation to have goodwill for all people? How often the generosity of the church seems like it has strings attached, amen? I often hear, what can we do to bring more people into the pews? But what are we really saying when we say that? Are ten not enough? Ten people aren't worth it? It has to be a hundred or a thousand or ten thousand? Are we saying that we care more about the pew space than the people that are filling it? What are we saying there? We can, I mean, in our generosity, are we considering the good will of all the people or thinking of ourselves? We can continue to expand the way we worship, the way we interact with people, and the people we interact with, and the people we serve. What's more, we should be all in for God wherever we find ourselves, whether at home, work, church, in relationships, whatever. How can your life reflect the love of God and draw people towards the community of faith? The early Christians in Acts were all in. What steps does your congregation need to take to be all in? What steps does my congregation need to take to be all in? It is important to acknowledge that going all in involves taking risks and putting aside what we know and are used to. With that said, if we take those risks together with our Lord Jesus Christ, there is nothing that will stop us from accomplishing what God wants accomplished. What's more, there's no telling what eternal impact our church will have on the lives of those in our community. Friends, are you all are you willing to go all in for Jesus? If so, Let's do this together in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Gracious and loving God, we just thank you for this inspiring and challenging message, Lord. Remembering how you went all in for us inspires us. It fills us with the warmth of your love and your light. But that also reminds us of our need to go all in for you and to act in union, in union with your offering for us. 
Lord, help us to be a people who sacrifice ourselves for the sake of others and for the sake of the kingdom. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Friends, I want to thank you for tuning in. As always, I really, really do uh, look forward to uh, bringing these messages to you every week. Um, by the by, now um, I I didn't get to record this last week, so I'm gonna put put it back. I'm gonna put it on, and I'll I'll predate it back to the date it was supposed to be uh, released. But you are definitely listening to this late, and I apologize. Uh, last week has, was a challenging week, and it just didn't happen. So here it is, and uh, I'm about to hop off and record this coming Sunday's uh, message. So in the meantime, friends, check out the episode notes. By all means, if this is your spiritual filling for the week, uh, please do consider supporting us and going all in. We could use it. If uh, you're this is supplemental and you're a, you know, a member of another faith community, then support that faith community and go all in for Jesus there. Uh, and if you want to go on for all in for Jesus at both places, uh, we certainly will not complain about it. And I'm sure your community won't either. Your generosity is not only appreciated, it is needed. So thank you so much. And remember, be you are richly blessed so that you may be a blessing to others. Go and be blessed.